Hello and welcome to another episode of Back to Britpop. It's me, Chris. On this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Jim Bob of Carter, the Unstoppable Sex Machine. Jim talks about all his early influences, what it was like forming the band with Fruit Bat. Jim also talks a lot about the songwriting process for his solo material, and especially the latest album, Who Do We Hate Today? which if you've not heard is absolutely cracking and uh, you can find that on his website which I've put a link to in the show notes. It was a fascinating conversation and again I'm incredibly grateful to Jim for giving up his time to speak to me. I was a little bit nervous on this one to tell you the truth. I think you can probably hear that in the questions but I'll be back at the end of the interview to talk about all the ways that you can support this podcast but in the meantime here's Jim. Welcome to the podcast, Jim Bob. How are you? Uh, not too bad, thank you. Are you? You you good? Yeah, I'm all right. I, I can't complain. It's busy as always, but you know that's life, isn't it? Eh? Yeah. <laughs> Where, whereabouts in the world are you? I'm in uh, Crystal Palace in South London. Usually, my podcasts start with this 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 dreaded question about the last eighteen twenty months, but it's getting <laughs> a bit boring now asking that question. But... It's, it's it's funny, isn't it? Sort of. Uh... It, I've noticed that like I've noticed with um you see people interviewed on the telly and they, they sort of talk about uh a lockdown as though it didn't happen to anybody else except for them you know what I mean <laughs> the whole thing was based around sort of uh the effect that it had on on somebody's um I don't know somebody's project <laughs> yeah it's, it's kind of you get to the stage where I think well we've all lived and breathed it we ought to try and find another way to open yeah. up the conversation but it's it's a bit it's a bit it's like when do you stop saying happy new year you know when's the, <laughs> where's, where's the cutoff so you know when you're in february and you're still still wishing people a happy new year and it's almost easter <laughs> <laughs> well you've been really busy i mean it's not like um nothing's happened i mean a lot of obviously for a lot of people everything's kind of ground to a halt but you've continued to be busy and especially with the, the, the latest album that's come out um, yeah uh who uh who do we hate today um which i think is a great title considering it's kind of like where we are in terms of like the social media or well, social media alone but also just the baiting of um, it, it does feel like that doesn't it it's, it's quite sort of relentless isn't it it's sort of like every day there seems to be uh you know there's definitely a new sort of i think they've i've noticed on because i'm on twitter quite a bit and i I've noticed that the way they've changed the trending so that it's, I don't know how they do it, some sort of fiddling with the algorithm. So, so it lasts a bit longer. So you'll mm. get sort of, I presume it was just rolling around too too quickly. <laughs> so, you know, they've sort of, they've changed something on there because otherwise it would just be like, you know, literally who do we hate this afternoon? <laughs> yeah. kind of thing. In the last hour, what's changed? Yeah. Like, um, to, it, like today, it's, today it's, um, Kaiser Chiefs, yes, or uh, who else? Uh, David Icke. <laughs> it's sort of you know someone from all, all different all different uh, That's sides a... of the spectrum. So what's David Icke done? I mean, no, surely he's. Uh, what else could he do? <laughs> I think he'd just been on. I think he'd been on some radio show or something and said something mad. Often it's just something like uh, somebody somebody says. Um, Oh God, you're you're almost as you're almost almost as bad as David Icke, and then loads of people say it, and then it, and you think, well, where's David Icke trending? And it's just because people are mentioning him in in something that's got nothing to do with him. But anyway, yeah. Well, this this um this album then is kind of encapsulates that kind of uh, 
that attitude or that sort of social commentary thing but did it all come does it all stem from sort of kind of that or or, or kind of in terms of the writing as well and, and how that's evolved is this a different record does it feel like because of the situation we're in um i don't know i mean because because it's sort of it came about because of the album i did before you know the, the one last uh, year before which was sort of uh had a lot of the similar kind of themes so a lot of the stuff about social media and that in, in that on that album and in a way this is sort of like a almost an extension of that so there's there's some of the things there you know i'm almost repeat i feel like i'm sort of wary of repeating myself like a year later already <laughs> but i don't oh. think i am but um yeah i mean there's definitely there's definite uh things that wouldn't be on that wouldn't be on there if it wasn't for the situation we've been in i mean some of them some of them are you know sort of obvious there's there's about i think there are three songs that mention there may be even more than three songs but there are at least three songs that kind of mention either either covid or lockdown or something that happened as a result of it mm. so uh so just those things wouldn't have you know and maybe i did spend longer on the internet than i would have done if i was I say that I don't know where I would have gone. <laughs> where I would have gone. I mean, I would have gone on tour, for example, and that would yeah. have, you know, that would have sort of kept me away from uh, from the internet. <laughs> and, and with this this kind of urgency to this album, though, there's in terms of like how you've recorded it, and you know, it's unmistakably you, and and there's obviously Carter influences in it. But is it something that you uh, are conscious of though when you're making a new record about you know? connecting with fans and just trying to push push the boat or the envelope to try and create something that's a little bit different I, I suppose I mean to be honest with you I think I just sort of plow into it and don't really don't think too much about that but because of the way because the, the sort of the way I work and maybe the kind of uh, sounds and rhythms and that that I, that I want to hear or that, or that I'm used to I'm, I'm bound to make things that are similar to to things I've done in the past you know, if I if I did something so radically different, I think it would be, I don't know, it'd be really jarring. It would it would sort of notice because it wouldn't it wouldn't be. I don't think it would be real. Mm. So uh, I'm I'm always going to sound. I think no matter what I do, you know, it's it's going to be very similar to have similarities to things I've done in the past. Um, but I mean, the good thing about on this album, the last album, is I worked with a lot of different, you know, more musicians. I kind of. In the past, I was kind of doing quite a lot of it myself, and then, uh, you know, maybe maybe there'd be a drummer and a bass player or whatever. But uh, this time, you know, with with you know with the Hood Rats playing on these records, it sort of it does give it that that different sort of. Uh, it's what got am I a, it's, to say? <laughs> it's got like a. It's definitely got the ba band feel to it, hasn't it? It's like a, a big band record. You could hear it sort of yeah. being played live. And also, I was going to say, in terms of that recording process, then because obviously that's no mean feat to do this in the situation we're in as well. And, and were you just no. sort of passing uh, files back to each other? Is that how you were kind of re recording this album? I, I did it. Uh, most most of my most of my albums for for quite a while have sort of. Uh, began as fairly uh, involved demos so I do sort of quite almost complete demos but um, uh, and then kind of start from the point of view of trying to recreate them but then mm. you know th things change obviously and uh, and just generally playing everything better and play it um, so there's an element of that so we tend to start we'll go in there with with the demos so so with this we couldn't all go in at one time so uh, 
So that kind of helped with that because we had the demos so we could sort of go in and do bits. And if, yeah, I mean, let, let's say replace bits <laughs> um, yeah. or, or kind of recreate it again. But, you know, so, so uh, to make it sound really sort of in a really simplistic way, say we had a, we, we do the drums, <laughs> uh, sort of kind of it's similar to the drums that I'd done, done already with yeah. drum machine. Um, and then, then remove the drum machine from the demo. And then you, you know, so you'd have, there'd always be something to, to play. So it was, you know, there's a kind of a band to play along with if you, yeah. if you were one of the musicians. I mean, ideally we would have all gone in at the same time that, you know, that could, we were, at the time we did it, it wasn't actually, it wasn't legal, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which, which sounds crazy, which probably sound mad in a few years time, but you know, we weren't allowed to have six people in one room. So, uh, yeah, so it was kind of, that was, that was, you know, dependent on that to a certain extent, but, but also I did, it, it was done quite quickly in a way because really sort of uh, stupid things that make you um, really like boring things that make you do things. So there's with this uh, vinyl, you know, there's the problems with vinyl at the moment that they, if you want to get a vinyl record made, you have to, uh, you have to kind of book it in a year in advance or something ridiculous. Ah, yeah, yeah. Because so, of the shortages so and things. Yeah, and because, you know, and, and so therefore you have, and because of Brexit, I think it's got something to do with it as well. All the, all the, all the things that are causing problems with everything else. Um, so, uh, so consequently, you have to finish it. <laughs> you have to have the finished thing so that you can get it um, sent, to be, sent to be pressed on vinyl ah. so far in advance. So therefore I found myself recording it need like sort of urgency to get it done yeah yeah but i mean that kind of works well for me because i get really uh i get bored with things quite quite quickly i'm quite eager to move on to the next thing so i, I want to get things finished so yeah. I, I, I've, got, I've got a lot of friends who make music who, who can just take you know they'll just take years and maybe never finish anything they'll just be sort of oh they're still working on the album they were working on like six years ago it was like i can't sort of I can't work like that. I have to write things quickly and just get it done. Are you are you able to sort of let go then in, in that respect then? Because obviously that is a problem for some musicians and artists is they, they, they are continuously like tinkering with stuff. And do you like to just, just lay it out or, 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 you know, get the tracks down yeah. and just and crack on? And as you just said, the urgency is there to sort of try and move on to yeah. the next project. Uh, and, and you have to kind of recognise your own uh, shortcomings because I mm. sort of know if I, if I did everything... If, if everything had to be perfect, it, it would never it would never come out because I'm never happy with my singing voice, for example. You know, it's not, I never sort of think, oh, that was, but yeah, I'm never sort of perfectly happy with that. And uh, if I play guitar on something, there's always, it's always not quite as good as I want it to be because I'm not a good enough guitarist. So, uh, so, so I kind of, you know, I've learned to know that's that's as good as it's going to be with certain things <laughs> so you know and sometimes that's you know that's fine and, and other people might not notice it at all but you know so there's that as well it's, just, it's sort of knowing when to knowing when to but I was it was like that in Carter you know with, with me and Fruitback working in the studio I would think things were finished and I'd be perfectly happy with them but he would be uh, a lot sort of stricter and sort of say no that's not good enough let's and, and then and he was always right so yeah you know, so maybe if somebody else was there to say, no, do that again, I'd be making better records. I don't know. 
your own quality control has to be what you want it to be. It's not really someone always someone else's decision, especially if you're working on working solo. But I guess I guess working in a in a sort of a band situation, if you were recording, if you had recorded this album live, as you say, with everybody in the room, there may well have been situations where um, you know they were able to to chip in with ideas. Is that something that was has happened before? Or I mean, it's terrible, really. I sort of will I will ask people for their kind of input. But invariably, when when they give it to me, it annoys me. <laughs> I, I think I don't really want it. To, I mean, there are obviously there are certain things. I, I, mean, I work quite closely with with uh, John Clayton, who sort of uh, co-produced this album and the last one, uh, and did it in in his studio. Um, so yeah, there's quite he put quite a lot into it. And Jen, Jen Jen's guitar, especially on this album, she came in with she'd had a lot you know longer at home to kind of work stuff out mm. so she came in with bits of guitar that I never would have never would have thought of myself so there was definitely more of that on this album than there has been in anything I've done for a long time but usually when I do things I I, te- I do ask people's opinions but I don't there's a point where I don't really need those opinions if you know what I mean yeah yeah but yeah I think that's what I, I had sort of I probably had trouble when I was when, when I was writing books and there was editors involved and I just they'd sort of tell me what was what was wrong and what I needed to do again and I always found it really I don't know I, I hated it I hated that sort of part of the process yeah even yeah. though they were probably always right I, I wasn't very good at you know at sort of taking that kind of it's not a criticism is it it's, I suppose it's but it is in a way isn't it? it's like constructive criticism feedback is what they call it yeah feedback yeah <laughs> this is good but it'd be better if you did it completely differently yeah i mean with the terms of writing because you've touched on it i mean that did that seem like a logical thing a next step to do for you because of you know the, your lyrics lyrical style and your kind of commentary on things um not really i just i mean i think i i fell into it kind of uh more sort of accidentally or unintentionally because because i wrote the book about the first book about carter about being on tour in carter um which I wrote after you know after the band had split up the first time because I sort of enjoyed I, I enjoyed the, I, I enjoyed put the process of writing that book and also seeing it published was quite thrilling because mm. I'd had quite a few records out but but you know having a book out was like a new thing and it was quite exciting to sort of to see you know to see a, a book that you'd written like printed so that's so that basically that led led me to write the second book and then because of that, I got an agent, which led to the third book. And then, you know, and, and so I kind of, I hadn't never planned on doing it, mm. but I did, but I did, I did sort of think, I don't know, I was surprised that people, that other people were, were surprised that uh, somebody who, who was quite, who was known for writing, you know, lots of involved lyrics that should, uh, it should be such a leap to then write sort of fiction, if you know what I mean. People found that a lot. Of people found that weird. You know, people. If I do interviews at the time, you know, think you know why? Is that it was unusual that somebody who wrote words for a living should be able to write words <laughs> in a different <laughs> way? So I don't know. But say so the latest novel um, is 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 a double novel. I mean, how how does that? What did what is that? Is in terms of like a there's a sequel built into the original book. Oh, how has that kind of worked? No, it's 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 two completely different books. It's uh, I mean, what it what it was was I mean the 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 truth of the uh, 
matter is that at that time I couldn't get there's, there's two books there's um a god awful small affair and the other one the i forgot what it's called harvey king that that harvey king was the book that i wrote before the other one uh, and uh basically couldn't get a publisher so just had to move on at some point so started writing another book and wrote the other one and then uh couldn't get a publisher for that either so i sort of had these two two novels and um and then sort of cherry red who i've sort of of work with you know in the past with music um said that they'd publish it and they didn't publish fiction but it's sort of and I thought like because they were less uh let's say less sort of strict than a than a you know conventional fiction publisher would be they were sort of happy to to, to put both books out so um I just thought like, I'd rather it I'd rather it go out you know I was happy with it mm. so I'd rather it come out like that rather than just just uh you know i think in the world of like book writing i think you're supposed to write things and if they if they're not right or wanted at the time i think you're supposed to just leave them on the shelf and go and do something do another one which is sort of it's quite depressing really because it's so time consuming and you know write the yeah. book it's sort of yeah it seems mad to just write things and then just oh well, that's done let's just leave that on the shelf <laughs> it, yeah it takes i'm guessing it takes a lot out of you sort of emotionally as well because definitely, to, yeah, definitely. and to leave it without going anywhere with it is, is yeah. yeah i would think if, if they were all, if they were awful i'd totally understand it but it's just when you've done something that you think that you think is as good as or better than what you've done before but no one's interested then it's sort of it can be a bit sort of yeah. soul destroying I wanted to ask you about the, the very early days and your, your sort of formative years and things and ask kind of what, where it all came from to start with and maybe some of your, um, you know, your, your influences or very early influences as a child and, and what got you into music and lyrics? Um, I, I mean, I don't think this necessarily had anything to do, but my mum was a singer, but before she like, she'd stopped singing professionally by the, uh, before I was born. So so she wasn't sort of so you know I wasn't sort of in a show business family or anything, mm. but um, I was definitely just always into music from, from sort of quite a young age, and even like sort of you know probably from the age of nine or something like that. I can remember listening to. I think I used to because I had like older cousins who, who liked music, and I had an older sister, and I, you know she her friends would come around and they all they were always playing music. And then she had boyfriends later on and, and they they were into music. So I sort of, I was probably just surrounded by the right people maybe. And then people who I met at school for, I don't know if it was a coincidence, but I ended up, you know, sort of being friends with people who also wanted to be in bands. So I was kind of, you know, pretty, you know, sort of early teens. I already decided that I wanted to be, I don't know if I wanted to be in a band or a, or a pop star or something like, something like that, you know. I, you know, I wanted to be David Essex for, for um, that's never really left me. I don't think <laughs> I, st I still sort of hanker after being David Essex. <laughs> well, um, apart from David Essex, or were there other other sort of art, what were kind of the main influential artists and but maybe maybe uh, lyricists as well? Was there anyone yeah. you were going after? I, I mean, when it when I'd sort of stopped listening to, just listening to what my friends or my sister's boyfriends were listening to was would probably would have been uh probably would have been you know around the uh, punk sort of time 
but the things I really got into was I think El like the jam and Elvis Costello were the first two things I was like probably like seriously into and, and still am you know still the probably the two things I listen to the most are the jam and Elvis Costello mm. in fact I've just bought an Elvis Costello album but um so so uh, yeah so I, I mean lyric lyric wise Elvis Costello without a doubt must have you know must have been influenced by by his lyric writing and then I got really and that I maybe I got into I don't know if I got into people because of their of their lyrics or or, or whether it was the other way around that, that their lyrics made me want I don't know so I really like Tom Waits mm. and then sort of in in you know years later I got you know I, I like Nick Cave and you know I mean I liked uh I mean shouldn't say it now but you know I liked I liked uh Morris's lyrics you know especially when it's in the Smiths so I've always liked people I have definitely always liked strong sort of lyricists I've not I've, I've less been into music where it's just kind of um not really about anything or it's you know I've never been into druggy sort of music mm. for example kind of you know I've always liked sort of yeah complex dense lyrics and and in terms of like creating them yourself were you what were you using as like uh, inspiration to sort of get stuff down Inv invariably it was uh it, it it tends to be music that's sort of you know I, I i don't really i mean when i was when i was a lot younger i used to write lyrics or uh sort of almost awful poetry that i thought of as lyrics that i wrote without music but um i think every song Virtually every song I've ever written has been written to music. So it tends to be, uh, you know, I'll need to be playing a guitar or mucking around a guitar that will suggest the beginning of something lyrically. Yeah. And then it sort of goes, you know, it goes from there, it sort of slowly snowballs from there. And then, then it gets to a, a point where I'm at, where I'm actually then working on it, which is sort of, so I might sort of, so I might write the beginning of a song like really quickly and or, or even the most of us most of the song really quickly but I could then spend a week day and night trying to get one line to rhyme ah. you know, sort of thing so it's that kind of yeah honing it and editing it is maybe the harder bit yeah no that's not the hard bit. actually the beginning bit's the hardest bit and were you was it always in your life that you would have that you've had these observations and want to you know uh or come up with these ideas for because uh, um it's this is a different sort of level of creativity in terms of how you write i'm just wondering where that kind of came from or whether there was a a moment when it kind of triggered something like hang on this is a different kind of way of delivering a song yeah i don't th i don't think it was ever deliberate i mean i've always been like sort of quite opinionated but but often in a in a fairly confused muddled up sort of uh almost too nuanced way yeah. and i'm still you know i'm still like that now so it's i think it's uh which is why I'd, I'd never think of anything i do as like protest music because it's not it's not clear enough what i'm trying to say it tends to just it's more it's more social commentary than it is mm. protest protest singing um so that's all i'm trying to think when i mean that was there before carter it was i was writing sort of uh you know anti anti thatcher songs and, and you know songs about minor strike and that, that sort of i was doing that you know in the in the uh 
in the mid eighties or the early eighties or whatever. But it's probably I'm you know I'm I'm get I imagine it's something like Paul Weller was doing that and Elvis Costello did that. That's why I did it. It's probably, it was probably as simple as that. Me being in you know heavily influenced by somebody that I was a big fan of, mm. and then it, and then you just sort of carry on doing that and and I've had moments where I've where I've tried desperately not to do that and tried to write really kind of sort of uh, silly songs and love songs and but I invariably come back to to the uh, social commentary. Finding a voice that really worked and resonated with people, that must have been quite a, a satisfying and relieving situation to be in as well. Yeah, I, th I think, uh, I mean, not so much now, but I think when you start out doing something in a band, you can often, you often think that you're, and I don't know, I shouldn't really speak for everybody, but uh, for speaking for myself, you know, you, you tend to think, that you're brilliant and everything. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So, mm. so in a way, in a way, you just it's not that. So uh, you know, so like when Carter started to become successful, like uh, you know, not not when we were in the charts, but sort of before that. I don't, I don't think we thought. I just think we felt sort of right, you know, that we, we felt like yeah, this makes sense because this is good sort of thing. I know, sort of that sounds arrogant, but it's not not arrogant, just sort of. I don't know. I think I'd be more surprised if what, if something awful I did was then loved by people, mm. which I think must that must happen to, because I'm sort of often wonder about. I don't know people like I can't. I don't want to name people. James Blunt was on telly earlier, <laughs> and they played a bit of uh, "You're Beautiful," and then they went to the presenters and they said, uh, "What a voice," you know. And you just think, well, that's not true, is it? You know, he's not. A, he's not a good singer. His lyrics are awful. The songs are pretty terrible. But I wonder if he, if he, I don't want to pick on him personally, but yeah. But I wonder if you, if you, you know, I feel like I'd know. I feel like I'd know, like I said about recognizing your shortcomings. Mm. You know, do, do people like that think, God, I'm, I really am great. Aren't I? <laughs> or, do, you know, because <laughs> I imagine if you're the Sex Pistols or the Clash or someone or Elvis Presley, you probably know, yeah, I am, I am really good at this or the Beatles. It's fairly obvious, you're not saying, I don't want to be big-headed or anything, but I think they're quite good. It's sort of obvious, but there's there's a lot of mediocre stuff that surprises me. Yeah, how yeah. How successful it is, and I wonder if it surprises the people who are they, making it as well. They probably just get happy to be there, to be honest. <laughs> Maybe, right. yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> that's just that's hoping nobody notices. <laughs> Hang on a minute. <laughs> Carter is kind of uh, happened almost by accident though didn't it it was kind of uh one some people would sort of say would be the the beginning of the end already if, if members of the band don't turn up to a gig as as if what i read on the internet is correct it's not they didn't turn up it's that we we decided to split the band up with jenny wednesday which is the band for carter okay just because just because we felt it wasn't um i think we were just bored with it to be honest with you with, with the um uh, we're just bored with the music that we were making and uh, we were listening to things that were so different to the music we were making. So um, I think that was, and we were listening to a lot of drum machines sort of stuff, like uh, Fruitback was listening to a lot of rap music. And so, you know, and things like KLF just started around then. Hmm. And so, so we kind of, I think that's, that's must've influenced us. And we had, you know, we had a drum machine and a keyboard. And so we just thought, you know, let's let's do this live. Do do you know? Do that 
do it live like a, you know, like LL Cool J would, you know, just with a tape machine on a chair. That's all. So that's yeah, yeah. so we so that's what we so we just did the gig that we were supposed to do as Jamie Wednesday. We did it as as Carter, or we were called Bob for that gig. So we had to change our <laughs> name afterwards. Um, yeah, and it's sort of we kind of liked what we were doing, and it was it was it happened really quickly. And then we did another gig, and it just sort of we just carried on doing it, and yeah. So yeah, it wasn't really planned. Would you would you describe yourself as the as the bad boys or or the alternative to to what else was happening? Um, I don't no not re- I don't think so no I I don't think we said we couldn't describe ourselves as the bad boys compared to the Happy Mondays or something. Could we? No, <laughs> probably they're, they're not. About as bad boys as you can get, <laughs> I imagine. Um, I don't know. It was just uh, not really sure because I didn't feel. I don't think. I just think we were part of. We were just part of. You know. It is sort of a dull thing. We were just, we weren't like a part of a big scene, mm. you know, coming up. We, we sort of, you pick, that happens later, doesn't it? You sort of, you start out and you, you sort of play for a year and then you find you're part of a greater thing. But, yeah. uh, but you said you don't, you know. I think it's, out. I think it's my memory of you that's, that's, that's causing that that issue with the question because I think for me, uh, I, I just remember you guys as just being, but very whoa what's this kind of uh, in terms of you know maybe not understanding what you were trying to say because of how old yeah. I was and also seeing just the just the the difference in terms of how you looked and the way you behaved on stage and everything it just felt you know it was fascinating for me and uh, yeah and I think I maybe perceived you guys as as being just raucous. I mean I think if I <laughs> if I look at like uh every now and again someone will post like an old live video from sort of uh in the you know in the sort of early years of carter and i'm i'm surprised how sort of crazy it it looks you know because it's sort of definitely got more professional or whatever or calmed down a bit but yeah first it was sort of like just chaos sort of going on and not just not just the band you know the audience as well you know half the audience is on the stage and it just sort of just looks incredibly exciting so um so I imagine, yeah, it might have, yeah, might have looked like that. We definitely, and we definitely had like um, a sort of uh, uncompromising attitude to things. We t- we definitely sort of, we didn't want to, um, we were very sort of conscious about our image or how people saw, saw us and whether they thought we were selling out or whatever. So I suppose we did things to, to make, you know, to make sure we didn't do that maybe. I mean, I do, I have met people in, uh sort of re- recent even recently sort of people in who i've met to to be interviewed by who were kind of wary of meeting me who'd never met me before but thought i might be like horrible or something you know sort of which so you know <laughs> but i'm i know but in a way so i sort of i'm surprised by it but at the same time i quite i quite like it in, in a way <laughs> yeah. i quite like the idea of thinking that because we're pretty you know we're both pretty uh both pretty soft sort of yeah people really yeah so with the um with the success and everything that was happening at the time was there sort of uh were there lots of label interests straight away or was it something that just happened over a short period of time or what was the kind of situation with labels it was um it was I mean, it was surprisingly easy, really. For after, I think the first when we started out, we 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 played um, we played pubs for quite a bit. 
mainly sort of the same one or two pubs locally. Mm. And then uh, we got a manager, just somebody, Adrian Ross, who, who was sort of, he wasn't the manager at the time. He was, he was a uh, DJ and he worked on, a, he was an acid house DJ and he worked on a flower store, but he sort of wanted to manage a band and he, and he saw us live. And so he became a manager and he was really, really good at kind of getting things done and sort of, but, but in terms of a record label, he, I mean, we made a demo and he gave, I think it was our first demo and he, he gave the demo to somebody and they gave, that was our first record deal. It was the only person we gave the demo to. So that, you know, that was fairly easy. And then, uh, so that was the first single and that led to the first album. And then sort of by that point, then it was after the, yeah, the first and the second album, quite a lot of people wanted to sign us and uh, a lot of major record labels and we, we went to Rough Trade. And then after that, after 30 something, you know, did so well that we then, then it's kind of got ridiculous in terms of, you know, that was when everybody wanted to sign us. So that was, you know, which was, which was fun because, because, you know, you get a lot of hampers and things. <laughs> you get, people send you free records and, and stuff. <laughs> Trying to woo you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Did and it work? So, um, <laughs> We're not. We we just went with the best, the best option, which which at the time was Chrysalis Records, who were, who were sort of like a big label, but they were still technically independent, I think, and they, they pretty much just said you can do whatever you want to do, and we won't interfere. And and I think we asked for a few stupid. We asked for a photocopier, remember that, which we got, <laughs> and a massive photocopier, and things like that, and sort of. Uh, like framed Michael Caine posters, just things to, I just think, just things to test their patience, maybe. I don't know why we did that, but uh, that kind of thing. But they just sort of let us do pretty much what we wanted to do until until they were uh, bought out by EMI and then everything changed dramatically yeah. overnight. And with the, with, the, with the label and the release of, of your albums and stuff, though, was there always a conversation being had with you to go to the States? and push your wares there um there was yeah with Carter definitely we were sort of and we went quite a few times and uh with sort of varying degrees of success you know we did so sort of, when we were doing well in the UK then we sort of did okay comparatively in, in America but um but we weren't we weren't massive or anything and uh we were put you know we'd be bigger in in the sort of obvious places like you know Los Angeles and Chicago or whatever but uh you know, but then we could go to Texas and play to nobody. Um, and then, but we never sort of got beyond that because I think we had, we went through so many record labels. They just kept changing, mm. not not because we wanted to, they just kept changing the label all the time. So every time we had a new album, it was with a different record label and it would be like starting again. Um, and there were a lot of things that we didn't like doing because there was a lot of, you know, we've traveled around all over the place, just, just going to radio stations and saying, Hi, we're Carty on Solid Sex Machine. You're listening to whatever it is, radio station 24.9, that sort of thing. Yeah. Which yeah. was not really what we wanted to do, but apparently that's what you had to do. So there was a lot of that. And then, yeah, so we did all right, but you know. So how did they take to you? Did you find it was quite easy to get the messages across to, to that audience? Um, as yeah, well? I think the, the audience, the audience are fine with it in the same way that, yeah, that's, I think it's because. because because if you're if you're into something, 
it doesn't matter where you know if if you're i don't know we we all everybody liked bjork didn't they we didn't go oh yeah but i don't really get it because it's it's a bit too icelandic for me it's so, you know i yeah, don't think true. It's, yeah i don't think it's really a problem for the audience it might it would be sometimes be a, an excuse for record labels would say oh our music was too english or whatever that sort of thing um or yeah there are too many songs about london but i don't think you know because we did we did okay in japan you know sort of because the people who liked our music liked that kind of music so i don't know yeah i don't think that was the issue i think it was just it's just too big a country maybe i don't know you can't yeah with the songwriting jim did you ever feel any kind of pressure to just keep to keep writing and was it hard um to keep writing yeah i think uh but not when we when we were when we were doing really well i didn't i didn't i don't think it was a problem then because we, we liked doing it and uh i think we wrote like maybe the the fourth car round was probably sort of there were things where we were maybe having a go at the almost having a go at ourselves and it was a it was a lot sort of darker as a as a record and then after, but from from that point on, I think as we were gradually, I'd say becoming less successful, you know, with each thing we did, then I was, then I did struggle writing songs, and there was quite a lot of songs from that point onwards, cast songs that I don't, I don't like a lot of them because I don't, I don't know what they're about, or I can't mm. really, I don't feel any affection for them, or sort of, I don't, I don't, you know. There are songs that I've got no idea what they're about, to be honest with you. And I, d I never wanted to do that. That's not really, that's not who I am. Was there pressure to, to actually just following up album after album? There was, I don't think there was from, there was with, um, after we did a number one album and EMI took over Chrysalis, there were meetings where, you know, it was suggested that we needed to, you know, to do uh, more radio friendly singles. So we had those discussions then, but once we were kind of on the way down and going through different record labels, there wasn't really any, I don't think there was any pressure on us. It was just, just maybe we just weren't, I don't know, we'd lost, definitely lost something and wasn't sort of, uh, you know, so like writing the first two, uh, I don't want to say it was easy, but it was easier to write those first two car albums mm. than it was to write, say, the fifth and sixth. Which were like really hard. So um, yeah, because you kind of run out of things to say, so you're just repeating a formula. And you've got lots of live shows coming up, and I miss. I guess that was a really important, a really important thing for you to just get back on the road and just sort of start playing yeah. the new stuff and the old stuff. Yeah, I mean, because we've got these two two albums made with this band, and we haven't played any of the songs live mm. ever. You know, we've re we've rehearsed them uh, recently, but we haven't. You know, we've never played played them to an audience, so so that's kind of yeah. So it'd be so exciting to do that, and you know, we're going to play some car songs as well, but not as many as I used to play when I was playing on my own. But yeah, just to play those songs live and knowing that they, knowing that they sound good, and because it's a really good band, that's the you know that's the thing. But I, I tend to I've started doing all my my preparation sort of. I get I I I really like to over organize things. Manager marks the same as well. So we sort of it can be irritating for other people. So <laughs> I, I, I quite early on, I'll be I'll be buying things and you know for sort of stupid you know buying guitar strings and guitar picks and gaffer tape and 
things that I might, you know, and fairy lights that we may never use and bits of material to decorate things, you know what I mean? A sort of, yeah, yeah. Or, or jackets that I'm not going to wear, that kind of thing. That sort of, because I, t- yeah, I do tend to think of things too far in advance. So, you know, well, yeah, just, you, uh, you've got to prepare for these things. So any event, yeah. any event, you know. And I, also, over, I over-prepare, definitely. It's a different world out there now. You know, it's almost like some sort of apocalypse has gone on. <laughs> People it don't is, know what to it? do. <laughs> I know. <laughs> is anybody going to come along? Is gonna... that's that whole? Because that's a whole new thing to, you know, that you can sell... You can sell out a venue, but it may it may be half full because people aren't gonna don't want to go out. Yeah. So that's you know we won't really know till we till we get there because that's definitely a thing we've heard anecdotally from from promoters that that's going on at the moment. You know, the, just sort of forty percent of people at some gigs just aren't turning up. In terms of yeah. like writing, then are you have you? I know you've just obviously only just released this album, but is there still? Are you still writing or preparing to write again I, for, for something I, else? I have actually started writing some songs. I, I think next week there's I'm not next week. That's not, not an album next That's week. That's early. That <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm not sure what's happening next year. I know we're going to do some fest- festivals, so I don't think there'll be a new album. But then, but uh, I've, I have started writing songs. I've sort of half written about four songs. So once I've once I've done that, I'm, I'll tend to carry on. So I think I'll just. Yeah, I'd like to do. Uh, I'd like to do a double album, or you know, something sort of. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah. Takes the press, takes the pressure off having like twelve songs, they, where they've all got to be good. Uh, I'm not saying I want to make a bad album, but I'd like, I'd like to do a double album where there's sort of, you know, there are a couple of instrumentals on there, or a, you know, or a reggae song or something. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just yeah. thinking. I'm just thinking of the Clash, you know, the way it's. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But would you would so, you ever kind of um, think about doing another sort of uh, concepty kind of album? I don't. Yeah, I probably will, but I don't. Yeah, it's got the ideas got to come to me. But yeah, I mean, I've done it. I've, yeah, I've done it once properly, and I've done it sort of in a half-assed way a few times, where I've sort of had a a semi-concept, mm. but uh, not at the not at the moment. Yeah, I'm sure I will. There's a big yeah. concept going on at the moment. You know, it's there is, isn't there? Yeah, <laughs> but nobody wants to know about that. <laughs> this is true. Um, it's yeah, very frustrating. Um, I mean, they do, they do. That that's frustrating, you know. Because I released a single that was a, about the first lockdown, and I and it wasn't, it didn't really have any strong opinions about it. I just, you know, and that couldn't that they wouldn't play that on BBC. Because mm. it was a, because it was about COVID, mm. which which to my you know, which is sort of mad. Even you know, so, and all that there was a lot of that stuff about uh, how people wanted escapism, but like all the but all the films that did well during COVID were all like they were all things like um, I can't think of what any of them are called. Outbreak was like one of the most successful videos watched, and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. What's that other one? Contagion. They were all you know people. <laughs> that's what people did want. <laughs> You know, people are crying out. Yeah, people are crying out for Radio One to be playing back-to-back songs about COVID. This is this is twenty twenty WTF, isn't it? This is that, which is what a minute and a half. Yeah, yeah, I know. No, half a minute, wasn't it? Can't remember. Yeah. All right. Okay. I might have watched it twice then. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's very good, and it's just yeah, perfect, perfect encapsulates everything. But. Better than the uh, Imagine song that all those crappy Hollywood oh, said. I know, I know. <laughs> Good Lord. What were they thinking? I said, what, what, what? 
Oh, no, how does that help anybody? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I think they just panicked, didn't they? They thought they had to be doing something. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was hoping there would be a British version of it. Some, some, somebody would have done something, but yeah. thank God. Just w- couldn't get away with it here, could they? No. Well, uh, I'll, le- I'll let you go, Jim. It's been okay. fantastic to speak to you, and uh, I-, I look forward to hopefully catching you live uh, uh, in November or, or in, in the tour and, and just any, uh, all the new material that you've been able to do. It's been fantastic to listen to some of the stuff that I've, I've not been uh, aware of, and it's to say this podcast has opened my eyes to so much uh, of, of material that, you know, bands and artists that I loved in the 90s have actually made some fantastic music yeah. ever since, and it's been, it's been utterly brilliant, so absolutely brilliant, sorry. Um, Thank you very much. Thank, thanks for talking to me. All right, mate, take all care. Right. Cheers, cheers. A massive thanks to Jim again for joining me on the episode. It was an absolute pleasure to speak to him about all things Carter and the writing and producing of his solo material. Just a reminder that I've put a link to his website in the show notes so you can go and check out all his fantastic stuff for yourself. So here's the bit where I just remind you about all the ways you can support this podcast. I'm on social media, so if you would like to follow me there, you can just search for Back to Britpop on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you want to support the podcast financially, you can do. I don't have any ads at the moment and I'm not part of any network. So buy me a virtual coffee using the link in the show notes will really help. And thank you so much for all those who've supported me that way so far. It means so much. Thirdly, if you have time, uh, rate and review the podcast on whatever listening device you're listening to it on. That really helps as well. So I'll be back next week with another episode all things being well so in the meantime take care